welcome Senthil. Hey Bhavan, nice to see you. Uh, good to have you here. Senthil is uh, one of my previous managers. We have worked uh, together in Rippling. Senthil is a senior engineering leader in Rippling currently. And he has worked with multiple other companies and startups, notably with Simple, which is a payment processing company in uh, India. And his latest role was VP Engineering over there. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, let's talk about uh, software growth today, uh, Senthil. But before we dive in, do you want to introduce uh, yourself? Yeah, sure. Uh, I will talk about software engineering, engineer growth journey, uh, more than software growth. Uh, my personal introduction, I'm primarily a software engineer. I I love coding. I love building things. I love designing architecture. That's that's me personally. I started as a software engineer uh, long ago, like uh, in 2006 in, in Satyam. And then like ThoughtWorks, I spent a lot of time. Uh, I had my, I tried my own startup journey for a, for a brief while. Uh, then Simple, I was, I was head of engineering for, for three, three and a half years. Then I joined Rupling. Um, yeah, so in Rippling, I was running the platform team, shared services, bunch of infrastructure platform related teams. And then now I moved on to a different role in which they're mostly things related to ML infrastructure and things like that. So that's my journey. Uh, yeah, I, I love, I love building things and, and that's my primary identity. Awesome. So you were a manager before and you're back to a, a senior IC role now. You would have seen a lot of growth patterns and growth anti-patterns on your way uh, in your career. What are some of the things that come to your mind when uh, we talk about software growth? So you're talking about like as an engineer, like how do you grow that that growth, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I think the essentially I will say the software engineering growth uh, as a, as my, in my own career, and I've also seen it like overall is the is about like the kind of level of abstraction that you handle. Like when I join, when I joined, I think as, as anybody joins, the first thing is that okay, can you click the button? And the moment you click the button, like whether it works, that the pop up shows or like stores in the database, uh, that's that's the level of abstraction that we handle. Uh, and I'm sure like somebody grows and then they are like thinking about architecting a large system, like you know you're designing India stack and you're designing some large workflow system. Uh, or like you are, you are, a, you are like a CTO of a company which builds like a, a large platform and it's like used by millions of people. So, so the growth is basically essentially the abstraction at which like you handle uh, and how much you can make sense of it. I, I think I think that's what growth is about. Like, and as you as the general growth is about like the more and more abstract it gets, uh, and more more it feels like you're growing there. Uh, nice. So that's a good summary. Uh, you need to be able to take stories and take features and understand how to put uh, the basic building blocks together. Uh, this is typically covered in uh, the initial college and the uh, initial years of a software engineer's career. I think most of the essential aspects of like scaling up the abstraction is actually not taught formally anywhere. Like I almost like split this thing into like just for the my own understanding and just for the way to bring some attention, I use the term called industrial engineering. That like okay, you are you are you, are, you can even like you learn software engineering in your college. Like you probably know how to build a web app. Like uh, people people know that today, uh, but that's that's just a one aspect of software engineering. But like what you're building in a large company is that like with few hundred engineers, or like even if it could be like a small setup, to like it's like fifty engineers or ten engineers, whatever it is. Like you are actually building a system which is which is which is not like the way you build like a typical software that you are generally individually done in your college and in small groups, like you want to do it something different. It has real money, real users. So industrial engineering is generally not taught as a formal thing ever in college. Uh, and you learn as a part of your job. It's like pretty much every company has its own flavor and every team has its own, own, own flavor. So people learn from all these things and they have some rough idea of it. If, if you're saying there are multiple flavors of industrial engineering and you don't learn it, uh, in the college, then uh, two specific questions are, how did you end up learning it? Was it on the job and was it from uh, good seniors who, uh, like, did they convey it to you? Was it taught to you while you were on the job or did you just pick it up passively? Both both happen. I think actively, what you do is what you, what you learn, right? Like, what you hear, you know what you see, you know a little bit, but like, what you do is what you learn. Uh, for me personally, what I learned most of the things from by doing, by from imbibing from different colleagues and different, especially experienced experience people's uh, insights, like and then how they approach the problems. 
uh, and it's also by okay if this problem is there and it's 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 it might be actually very tempting to say we are facing the first unique problem in the world like when i wrote my first statement i thought like i did like something amazing but like it's such a thing like everybody does the same thing so it 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 is it might be also a little bit uh uh like because like we we start with like some amount of like creative spirit to the job but uh, most times you are actually doing imbibing ideas from different places being some things are done that same way so if you just go go like search for it i'm sure you will be able to find similar patterns existed in like some part of the world and some it's so you have more opportunity to learn uh, f- through the internet from other people personally for me uh, when i was at thoughtworks see thoughtworks is a consulting company and that like we are it had like hundreds of teams and they are like all technologies and like they're working with all kinds of clients all kinds of projects all kinds of scale uh so there is a development developer uh, mailing list that used to exist in which like all the topics are discussed and with with literally like no filtering because it's within the same company so you got to see like really large problems being discussed and like extremely deeply with very passionate individuals and Uh, and and that actually provided me like a bunch of recipes that i can use it later in my life uh, as part of products and also outside and like till today so uh, and it also just kind of introduced me to people like martin fowler uh, which which helped me to learn bunch of conceptually like how to do that awesome um and if you are saying there are multiple flavors of uh, the industrial engineering and doing it right there must be some fundamental principles that apply across all companies um so let's talk about the parts which are less situation specific uh and more general which applies to everybody in other words like there are definitely ingredients which are beyond the interview process right uh, you prepare something for the interviews but industrial engineering is way beyond that so um uh, yeah w- what's going on there yeah i think the software engineering interview process is actually for the matter any interview process checks for things that are like clearly uh, unbiased in an unbiased way objectively what you could prove it within that limited time and only those things are like picked for the interview there are many other things uh, that are outside that outside that like that makes us engineer really successful uh that that like you just like you have limited time and also it can be like you have a lot of biases so you just kind of try to remove it and you are just trying to create a small mimicking of the actual work in a limited time that's what software engineer interview processes uh so it has its own shortcomings but you you whatever you prepare for interview is not whatever you prepare for your next project like if you you are not preparing some lead code for to to solve a problem for your next project right like most times you are thinking about something else um so let's okay so now let's what is common across a good engineering or like industrial engineering practices that help a company move forward uh so if you have to take that and and that's a vast topic and i can put like few thoughts how you gather your requirements is it like going to be like two structure unstructured uh is it going to be like data driven or not uh like things like that and you do it like you do it in different ways in a In a, in a in a like as a company grows right like when you have million users you are not going to change the things without without experiment like you are going to do some a b a b test and then like you are to figure out some insight from it but in your like when you have like hardly few engineers and like hardly few customers you are going to okay some hypothesis you just going to release it and see how it how it operates right like so so thinking about like starting with the requirements how you do design design in terms of like whether uh, what kind of like data modeling domain driven design uh and things like that then how are you going to do testing uh and they are actually go testing and development actually go together like that it's not like a separate testing phase typically like how you write how write code how you test code how are you going to release that like how often you release that uh and then like how are you going to measure whether it's successful or not and how you going to uh monitor it like literally like you released it whether it is producing intended effects for the business or not so these are like you understood the user from that and then like you you made some changes to user's life how you are going to measure it so all the phases of it and software engineers are supposed to be involved in like from top to bottom like the entire thing it's not like a requirement gathering for product managers and 
you know, are releasing is for like some your SRE team. It is not testing is for some bunch of QAs out there, and you know, it's not designing is for some architect uh, team. I mean, that's not the way. Like you, especially in startups, like you are like full stack from top to bottom. Full stack is not just like tech backend and front end. It's like full stack from user what he thought uh, he or she wanted till what he or she got. Yeah. So you talk uh, about two major aspects. One is the technical depth, which is uh, you know all things technical. Whether you understand the language, whether you understand the architecture, uh, the process, the tooling, etc. Um, and there are nuances to it. Um, and second was um, more on the managerial side, which involves people. Right. You have to deal with people. You have to deal with processes, um, and uh, you have to deal with yourself. Uh, because many a times you yourself get in the way of doing the right things. Uh, let's separate right. those two and uh, let's expand on the tech part first, uh, or maybe whichever one you uh, you know prefer. Let's let's take one either from tech or from management, and uh, let's double click and unravel some of the things there. Right. So I think uh, yeah. So in my, I mean it's the same th- thing to software engineering growth. Coming back to the topic, I think it is about that, like expanding your uh, abstraction levels, and it does like two aspects of this spread, like some managerial aspect, like how you gonna how ten people are gonna work together when you have no project, and then like how the architecture gonna fit in with all these ten people, ten components being developed, and how they gonna interact with each other, and how they gonna like you know how we gonna release it. That's like technical aspects of it. So it's gonna at every abstraction level. Uh, it has its own set of like managerial and a technical kind of thing going on always. And most of the time they are also intertwined. Uh, like, will, will you consider CTO as a people person or a tech person? I actually, it's there both. And we are good engineering managers, actually both. So it, it cannot be like completely separate. Like you know, for all people problems, you go to one person, all tech problems, you go to architect. Uh, in startups, especially in my strong opinion, is that doesn't work. And we need like, uh, we need like the intertwinedness to, handle it because yeah. most software problems are not tech problems uh it's these are all people problems these are all team organization problems this is all prioritization problem this is all sometimes uh people emotional problems right you know somebody is angry with somebody and then because of that the api contract document is not at released and then like, because of that like you're not doing api document you're you're talking to a database directly like the architecture decision influenced by two people not talking to each other comfortably uh, or like they are in a different time zone and they are like, they think it's so hard to work with their team because their collaboration is hard. So let me actually do do it this way. Let me make some another round trip APA call. And the Convoy's law talks a lot about it, like how we organize the teams, the way architecture was like that. So it's generally intertwined. What's Convoy's law? Oh, the, the, law, the law is that uh, the way you organize your teams, the, the architecture will evolve like that. For example, Consider that like you're building some ticket booking website, you're going to have teams organized. You can also organize the teams like a booking team and payment team. You can also teams like a search team uh, and a database team, a third party integration team, and they will work differently. And now if that is established, then people's, the way they write code will also will evolve into that similar structure in code. And consider that like there is no search team. Everybody in their team will actually automatically, they will talk to the database or do it. But if it's at the moment you put a search team, you will talk to APA contract and they will do something else differently, right? Uh, so the way you organize teams, the way architecture will evolve and actually the, the inverse conversation is also sometimes true. Typical idea is that like everybody is, wants to go fast. The one way to go fast is that like reducing cross-boundary communications. Now you will actually interestingly build things accordingly. Uh, so the architecture will evolve into that eventually. Uh, so that's Conway's law. What is the right way of doing this? Oh, the right, there is no right way. <laughs> so there is just no right way. Uh, it it actually depends. For example, consider that like you are running a, say you are building a payment gateway solution. Like you so you're building a payment solution. Now, uh, just for collecting repayments, you're going to have some payment page in which I like, consider you run a simple, like some credit card platform and which like for collecting repayments, you will build some payment page in which people come back, click and they repay, they show the balance and repay, right? Uh, now, at some point you might think that, okay, 
uh, you want to show some advertisements there, like, you know, because it's a real estate users come and you want to show some advertisements there. Now, at that point in time, it will be really fast to tell the repayment stream, okay, you're also responsible for your real estate and then you're supposed to actually create uh, revenue through that, like by letting people click to it or the shows, like having a lot of impressions. So just, you know, pull some ads and then like show it. That's one way to think. And then you will probably not create like, you know, advertisement streams with a separate team and you will part of it because that team will design accordingly and they will they will handle it because that's part of their KPI. But consider that you, the company has another long-term vision in which like, okay, there are multiple other vendors are asking for some advertisement service. Uh, then what you will do probably is that like you will create advertisement service team, which will, the first customer will be internal, will be the repayment page team. And then you will also like kind of open it up to the world as it, as it operates, right? Your architecture should not be creative. It should reflect your business 100% as much as possible. It'll make it easier to evolve the software because this it's, it's going to more or less align to the business. Otherwise, you created like fake architecture, which is different from uh, business, then every time you need to translate it back to this and then like convey the convey the limitations because of your own creativity to business, it's a pain. So you want to keep these things like pain uh, that your your software is like talking in business. And that's why like all this domain-driven design theory, like the importance behind is that like, okay, you're not inventing anything new. So yeah, the right answer, like if I have to say that, like, there is no right answer as just like, what's the right way? I think the right answer is probably almost equivalent of like, align with your business, make your architecture, make your technology, make your APA contracts, make your team structure, align with your business. That way, it'll, it'll be easier as the business changes. Okay, awesome. So now let's tie this back to the growth uh, of a yep. software engineer. A couple of points that I read from this uh, is that if you have to align your architecture with business, you have to have a basic understanding of the business to begin with. You cannot live in your technical silo and just build because somebody asked you to write a feature. Uh, there needs to be an appreciation of what are you writing this for? And what is the end result uh, going to be? Um, there is definitely yeah. a wrong and a right way of doing this. Can you take an example? Like how would a wrong software engineer approach uh, this situation versus what is the right way of looking at it? Uh, right. Um, it's a great question. I'm trying to think of an example, but like, let me start with like a common, common theme I found in engineers as, as I have been seeing, right? There are engineers who are like really interested in technology. Like if you ask them what did you do? Oh, I did. I just made a made a JSON endpoint that will read and store into this and it will use some LRU cache to make it faster and things like that. Yeah. Uh right. I think that's like really tech focused. Like they they are like they they breathe tech and they are very passionate about it. And they are in a business meeting, they are in requirement gathering. They're just looking for one thing, like what what's going to be that, like the tech aspect. They are not really looking at users and things like that. They're like really good at their craft. Um, the, but, but I think what will also make it like very effective and our other side, which is, which is a little bit about, uh, which is, which I think people evolve eventually as they grow is that, okay, that tech is as good as it can get, but without real user, it's solving real users problem. You are not going to be really happy about like what you built. Right. And that person is going to say, Hey, I'm, it's not about like LRU cache being used or some Redis being used versus like not being used. It is about that. Like the page has to be faster so that it will, uh, I mean, it's a very famous thing, right? Like the page becomes slower. People are going to drop off more yeah. people going to use my application. That means I'm like more revenue to the company and I'm very effective to the company and I'm very effective to the user. I don't waste users time. Uh, so I, I, I think. And and also like I mean as a as a kind of like a side effect is also is that like in your resume if you're going to write uh, really technical things versus like okay I wrote a piece of I solved a problem that brought like two million more revenue to my company is gonna people are gonna just like surprisingly gonna be like really interested in having the conversations heard. Uh, so that, oh, I, there was a query in which like I created like a couple of indexes and made the page faster. Okay, fine, that's. Less interesting. Everybody does that. Yeah. Right. 
everybody does that like oh indexing yeah, of course indexing will solve database uh, database performance latency problems speed problem okay that may make sense but like sometimes some features are justified technically it might make no sense okay then it is in two pages like well user can click this and click that and it will work like why it has to be in the same page it, it can be justified by the business right like okay people are dropping off if it is in same page we see it improving this is how you do it then it suddenly they are making sense uh so coming back to the topic it's basically that in terms of growth you are more and more more and more you're not thinking in your silos you are thinking in an abstraction level the abstraction level is nothing but like somewhat related to the business abstraction levels you have to think about impact like that is one takeaway for sure you cannot think about tech uh because tech you can just polish and polish for elegance to uh to the end of having the elegance in the software and second thing is to you can uh, improve the software until you have a reasonable uh, impact uh, improvement you can you have reasonable enhancement in the impact beyond that doing more technical polishing um it's worth thinking whether that is worth it or not and uh, people being good at their craft when you talked about engineers being respected in their uh, organizations they are definitely good engineers but they are also engineers who can put it in business context where they realize that okay this much engineering is going to impact the business positively beyond that it's still good engineering but it's not going to impact the business um in a good way uh, or in a meaningful way and hence it's not worth investing the time for yeah uh, yeah, yeah. yeah i think so i mean it's about like craft craft for the sake of craft versus like craft for the sake of profit right craft for fun and profit like like you can you can yeah. and i think i think all of us in your personal projects like you will do craft for the fun like because like you you're just like wake up wake up in the morning just like write something like it doesn't matter it, but for you it has to look beautiful it has to like really you know it gives you the fun of it that's fine but i think good engineers also know like fun and profit like that they they know where to draw the line where to take trade offs sometimes oh you you just release this because like we don't even know it's it's going to completely work we just release this and like we'll figure it out like okay it's going to be slow we can optimize it later uh but like the craftsman inside you might want to just go and like really make it perfect uh but a product engineer might have to think okay it's fine like let's release it let's get the feedback and improve it later uh there is it's it's not going to justify it because and it's a lot of judgment calls a lot of trade offs uh but yeah it's about like craft craftsman versus somebody like using the craft for the business so when you are doing your pet projects and you are doing the smaller projects maybe you are learning a new technology and uh, you want to do it like right because the goal is to understand tech the goal is to understand the nuances of what is possible and what is not possible in tech but you are saying there is something beyond that uh, which is an essential ingredient in the growth of uh, an engineer which is that you have to understand tech but then you have to understand the benefits that it brings um yeah. uh, not just the elegant side of it but the benefit side of it um right so for example you are writing a like how how do yeah. you do that in the personal projects uh, how does one learn that see in the pers- okay the see so what you when i just like roughly defining what's personal projects is that something that you do for example the goal of person for example I, there is a new technology say some phoenix framework some new new languages come or like you are learning haskell and functional programming right yeah then you're not going to take any shop like the goal is to like for you to learn the goal is to do the that the right way like how to not use side effect in something at all like i want to write something functionally there is no side effect you want to create in the entire code base now just for like remove one side effect one print statement or like some one thing you might spend like two days to actually make that happen and it gives you wow i found a way like you might have done, done some convoluted logic at times to make that happen uh, because like your single goal is to like go pushing the limits of like what's possible with the framework or like you know what's 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 possible at that point in time but as a practical engineer like you are working with somebody in a team and like you have this has to like and you see that you might take some shortcut okay fine i'm going to i'm going to just like take this sh- like i'm going to just like write it into database while it is not required to be stored in database it's fine in, instead of writing creating a proper 
json store i'm going to just like put it into string and then like store it in some the same column itself like works uh and that's like very very subjective to that thing like if i want to spend like two days to justify the clean code versus like one day to do that or i can come and refactor that's a beautiful thing what's up like you, you can always refactor come in eventually right so so that's judgment call and uh, most of the time it is uh, it is it is a balance between like with the deadlines that you have uh and and like kind of the skill that you have on the on the particular tooling what whatever that you are and also the context that you have you kind of take a call between com combine these things and make a trade off no personal project like okay you still don't have you can actually brush it off like you just like search more find out more read more than do it there is no deadline uh and context is what you create so these limitations doesn't exist in your personal project okay so you just put a very interesting ingredient on the table which is the second uh, piece for growth the first one was that you have to be aware about the business and the business impact the second one is that you are part of a team you are not working alone in your personal project you are just coding alone and the goal is to learn uh but when you are on the job more often than not i mean yes there are one member teams but uh the 99.99% of the rest of the world operates in a larger team and to be aware that you are part of a team and that involves uh coordination communication <clears throat> agreeing uh, and you know democratically agreeing uh, over the ideas etc so uh, how does one improve on that because you can like sitting alone you can't learn about team skills uh, so how does one become more successful in a team setting yeah don't be democratic that's my advice but <laughs> anyway <laughs> keeping that <laughs> so many comments everybody <laughs> so this go on uh, the the code that goes to production is the winning code <laughs> not a democratically chosen code anyway keeping that aside but i got i got the point of your question um i think um it, it's it's a, it's a very 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 good point and often underlooked under articulated like a, a missed uh, skill is about like uh it's not about like what you in, in a team uh maybe it's not like entirely democracy we don't decide by votes uh but there is going to be definitely the conversations are about like context sharing and like making sure that the best idea definitely you know makes the makes impact is used for the business right uh so ability to articulate your ideas is is the skill uh and that skill is to some extent it is also interview skill uh, but more often it is slightly more than that because in the interviews like most of the context is not the it's like very specific to some some uh yeah it's a micro type problem that you are solving yeah right right and it's very 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 controlled because like if it's too ambiguous then they'll be biases and no competitive design entry process to be ambiguous they want to kind of kind of you know reduce the surface of the ambiguity but in business uh, in actual projects there are more than one way to solve the entire problem sometimes it's you just change the requirement oh technically you just write when writing the code you discover that like it's not possible or it's going to take too much time then you literally change the requirement okay it does not make such a big difference to the user so let's just do this way and then like they are really insist then we will figure it out later so that's going to happen uh so how you articulate the limitation uh in a quick way uh and it needs some preparation uh that's going to be a skill being open to uh often times i've also seen what gets there is that like people somehow like we are all oh don't take it personal is a very famous dialogue which means that most of the, all, all of us are taking things personal right like your it's your feature your code you like your thing so you built a solution and somebody pokes a hole in it uh it's very especially in the initial years of career it's very uh hard to accept it because like we have been always like since a childhood it's always about like your personal like your individually you wrote an exam you got individually a mark like everything is done individually 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 like and when somebody when somebody points a mistake it's actually the individual gets affected like your score goes down right like that's how we we have been trained all along but in a team setup you are like are the five people have one goal that like make sure that the user is successful or the business is successful uh 
So when somebody points a hole, they're not point. There, it's it may not affect you. It's not about like finding. It's going to affect you like directly, as if like your your credibility goes down or something. But most people take it that way. But a good software engineer has to learn a skill of like how to utilize everybody's experience and knowledge, uh, and right and how to articulate it. The third aspect is also very interesting. Oh, uh, people are going to always say, "Hey, from my experience, is the right solution." Like now, you, like you just cannot like. It just like somebody cannot use their experience to justify this is the right solution. It feels like that, right? And as you grow more in experience, this is what you'll say. Okay, sometimes you'll feel this is not right, but you cannot say from my experience this is the wrong solution. I mean that's the stupidest way to uh, yeah. be there because like many things might change. So how as you grow, how you articulate uh, and how you keep it very. Tight grip to the the reality is going to matter, uh, and that needs practice. Uh, and practice not in terms of like you know just sitting in uh, sitting there and I sitting isolated and just talking about it. But it's about like when somebody brings a problem, you feel something that is not right, and sometimes you may not be like able to think on the foot and say that, but you can actually like think more about it and then like come back and say. Uh, uh, and that way it will become useful later right so when the similar things will crop up again like you will be able to articulate much clearly what why it doesn't work and somebody can poke in the assumption that you had and then like your 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 understanding gets further refined okay this solution worked with these conditions but that condition is removed now and because of the solution no more works so ability to articulate ability to not convert into software beliefs rather than like software facts uh th- those are the skills um Okay, yeah. so you talked about uh, that people should not be attached to the solutions that they are building, and rather be objective. Uh, if you get too attached, then uh, you, you know you are trying to defend yourself through your uh, earlier habits. But what you are actually doing is you are pulling your team down, and uh, you are preventing your team from building a better solution, and hence you are setting yourself up for failure because you are part of the team. Uh, so let's say people lose that. And this is like a mindset that's relatively easier to, uh, you know, get rid of. And now you're thinking about just software as a whole and a team as a whole. And you, you want to make your software better. You cannot be emotional about it. Um, although emotions right. can be a good starting point. Many a times we all operate from our experience. So many a times it will start with that hunch that this doesn't have the right feel to it. Um, that's okay to have. If I read you correctly, you are saying that hunch is okay to have, but that cannot be your end game. You cannot state your position just on the basis of the hunch that in my experience, this was not right, or this doesn't feel right because others have no uh, possible way to look into your experience until, until you articulate it. Uh, and yeah. there is no way for them to improve it. How do people actually improve on this uh, articulation? So that's a specific question to you now. Yeah. So first of all, I think it's it's like <laughs> uh, I think it's just like literally impossible to be a uh, uh, like unemotional towards like unpa- like not passionate about like what you are building and like like I mean we are not AI like we are human beings so we we just cannot build things like that. But I think the way to think about this is that like. Uh, be aware of that emotion. I think that that's important. And also, like instead of latching on to the specific line of code and specific solution, you yeah. can be latching on to that. Like, oh, like I want the specific outcome. Now I'm going to utilize everybody's. Everybody's here to help you. A team is here to help you. A team a team has no different aim than they make you successful and make your company successful. Uh, the politics is a different game. Like it doesn't exist or it, it exists differently. But like, point is that like it's it's overall. Uh, I think you can latch on to higher goal uh, that will that will be helpful that that you can be passionate about like user definitely has to solve the problem and we should do it in the shortest time those are like everybody agrees that goal my solution has to be the only solution that's a wrong way to be associated no so that's so fine so that's the business so that's the business centricity uh, that yeah. you're talking about and thinking about the user thinking about the impact I'm actually talking about the communication gap uh, no I'm coming the- there I'm coming there huh. so I think the point that like it feels like a right or wrong in your opinion, but you don't have a way to articulate it. Uh, that ha- feeling has happened to me. I'm sure the feeling has happened to multiple other people. 
many times you might not be able to come up with the correct fact or a good example or good articulation on the meeting on the discussion on the fruit like you may not be able to explain what somebody say why is, why is it wrong it feels wrong is not enough at that point in time but many times it's it's just it's just uh, you will not be able to go beyond that um so at that point in time what can you do i what this is what i have done i have said it doesn't feel right but i am not able to clearly like like clearly say why it is wrong what's the downside of it yeah can we discuss this tomorrow sometimes some discussions can wait can we discuss this like later today or tomorrow and i actually paid some deep thinking about it and most times if you, you know you sleep on it and wake up and you're going to actually find the actual articulation sometimes you might be wrong uh so it's absolutely fine if you can afford it if you cannot afford it if there is if there is a place in which decision has to be taken uh you if you are the if, if you if you think this is fine to get started you might have to just be okay with it that like, okay we might have to discover it doesn't feel right uh and i i i mean really, really frank about it hey i this is right but i don't know why it is wrong so we should i hope but i hope okay to do it it's just because i don't justify i mean like this 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 frank and see so this is just in this this is just in the situation that you're talking about that you are in a discussion and you have this emotional uh, you know trigger that this doesn't feel right one way is to postpone it maybe you can be transparent with your team saying that yeah. uh, you know this is what i feel i'm not able to articulate it uh but this is what i feel and maybe they'll be probe you, they'll be able to probe you back with some questions yeah um yeah. maybe they'll that's be that's what i've done yeah so they'll they'll probe sometimes it also happens that like there are a couple of other people who feel the same but who <laughs> not so i also don't be like i also don't don't think i also don't think then somebody will say hey, i i also usually thought like that but then my reason behind that is that they're going to actually you know give you some more hints to what they why they thought and why they changed then it's going to it's going to actually pop it back and then it's going to be a conversation but <clears throat> the sincere thing would be that like be clear about this like instead of like being this is instead of saying it's a stupid idea just say that like i'm not able to poke hole in the idea but it doesn't feel right right so clarity definitely has its place and we'll get to that uh, back in a minute but what i also hear you say that you have to be comfortable being vulnerable in front of your team uh an excellent point right that i feel emotionally that this doesn't feel right and not all things can be clear right there will be things which are you know at the edge of your knowledge boundary you will be unclear about and if multiple other people are also unclear about it uh it just helps saying that out uh and maybe the team will discover the clarity together uh maybe you alone cannot discover it together so being in part of the team and being vulnerable in front of your team um actually goes a long way this was within the design discussion um let's consider a person who is struggling for, with this for a long time uh there are various uh, you know experiential experiential um um knowledge pieces that they have from their past experience uh and they have this uh um they have this emotional stance of what is right or wrong but they are never able to articulate it postponing by one day etc doesn't help and they are just not able to break that uh ceiling how do they go about it like how do you develop this fundamental skill of technical articulation does it go back to like lack of clarity or Uh, can it also be that people are clear but they are not able to articulate so it's not a technical like lack of clarity but it's just the articulation problem um or can it be both as well it can be both uh so i i'll put the i mean i i, I mean i can only talk about like few things right for example if people are not comfortable talking in their team because they are not emotionally connected to the team yet or they have a fear of being ridiculed that's a bad culture of a team right like okay you, if i say something wrong somebody is going to actually like put me and the spot sometime and then i'm going to feel bad i mean that's about the psychological safety of the team and that's part of mostly it's cultural within the team or within the company lot of the times so that's a problem by itself and if you are if you are especially leading a team you should make sure that irrespective of uh the background irrespective of anything irrespective of people feel comfortable to voice their thought 
I think that uh, that's a necessity for everybody, a responsibility for everybody in the team. And I mean, there are like endless study about like why psychological safety is like very much important for the for the team's well-being and productivity and long term, and then people sticking together and things like that. It's it's a responsibility of everybody. For the leader of the team, it's like far more responsible. I mean, it's I think the culture of the team is the top number one priority for the leader. And beyond, like I would put it even about delivery, like that they need to make sure that the culture of the team is like. They feel people are feeling psychologically safe, and naturally, other things will be side effect of it. Like you no know, healthy conversations, or a great delivery, speed, people helping each other. Uh, you know, uh, the, all those things. Will, I mean, the people sticking together longer. All those things will be a natural side effect of it. So I would, I would put that as a priority. So that's at the team level, but as an individual level, uh, I can just talk about like how to, how to develop the skill, maybe. Uh, I, I can. I, I think it is about practice and practice only. Uh, fortunately for today, you should just like this. Like you should, you should uh, whatever works, right? Like some people arrive clarity by like searching and searching and talking to multiple people. Some people write get to clarity by writing it down. Like literally, they're just trying to write down. And people draw. I've seen some people trying to draw mind map, and then like they actually find to the terminal node in which like why they are stuck with something so so whatever the practice that helps them they need to identify like it might not be just the time may not be helpful but if they also believe at some point oh it's a bad practice and that's why i learned beyond that i am never asked why it's a bad practice it's fine accept it and maybe it's a time to learn why it's a bad practice the situation might have changed what is considered a bad practice is no more a bad practice now because something in the framework has changed something with the things have changed so so you might be able to change your opinion uh, yourself. Got it. So people can try writing things down uh, in a way, journal things and um, or just try scribbling the solutions and that will give you more clarity. Um, rubber duck debugging also comes to mind where you can just try talking to a rubber duck and uh, just by talking to it, uh, an inanimate object, uh, you'll get more clarity. These are individual efforts to become better at communication. How in a team setting can one become, uh, you know, how can one leverage the team to become more um, clear uh, with their thoughts? Uh, for example, using someone as sounding board or um, uh, uh, even finding a mentor, just articulating your problem of, ironically, the problem of articulation, if you can just say that, Maybe someone will, um, maybe your manager yeah. or mentor will be able to help you. So how can they leverage the team? Yeah, see, I think sometimes teams work. Like, you know, you discuss within a team and then like, then it, it has happened to, I mean, I'm sure it happened to you, to me, like multiple places. Like, okay, there is a team discussion. Now the team is thinking about a solution to the problem. We are discussing. And at the end of the day, you are just like, you know, going back home with your one of your teammate and then like you're discussing, but suddenly you get say, a completely different idea. Uh, right, like, and then, like, oh, that looks like a solution. Like, are there, you get a like real right kind of uh, like thought for articulating the problem, right? Kind of, uh, uh, like, uh, a, a example to explain the problem better, and that, like, that puts that ex that that brings clarity. So that can happen, and it sometimes it can be sometimes some many times it can be beneficial to have somebody else totally different, and then you're just calling and talking to them and then like while talking itself you actually get a solution because like you're articulating to a person who has no context and then like it actually helps you to uh, sort of rubber deck thing rubber deck thing you're talking about but uh, human uh also helps uh so people need to find their own way and there is no one solution uh in my opinion there's no one solution sometimes after all these things also you're still not articulated so, yeah it, 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 it happens but some small set of problems uh, we might have just accepted things uh, and we might have just believed that's the right way to do. And now it's a time to learn a new way to do. Uh. Got it. Um, also, there are very genius, very geeky engineers who almost refrain from communicating with the team, uh, even when they are part of a very healthy team. Uh, and the team doesn't have any cultural issues per se, but people, because uh, they are introverts themselves, uh, or because of other reasons, uh, they choose to, you know, actively refrain from uh, mingling with the team, spending uh, like non-technical, non-work time with the team to bond with them. 
how healthy is that from the growth perspective um uh, how hard is it to grow while you are not talking to people uh, and is that a good thing or a neutral thing at least or is that actually a bad thing and there is some real value in uh, you know building those connects because it allows you to be more vulnerable what are your um thoughts? yeah it's it's i think uh it's it's very hard to say in this aspect because i've seen a lot lot of lot of different examples as long as you are able to like if if you are introvert now like basically i don't want to interact with this team like i don't want to talk to the team because of that if your work is going to be impacted for example you are going to take some you think something is a good solution but oh talking to all these people it's going to and it, it's going to take more time to convince all these people but i'll just go with whatever they are saying because it will get approved very quickly sure uh but it's sort of a disservice it's to your skill and to the business uh you i mean all of us have and uh, all of us have some responsibility in terms of making sure that like our personal biases uh don't impact our pro- professional output as much as possible like and it, it can go the long way right for example you are a bad fight at home you came to work uh and it can it affect your professional output like typically sometimes do but your intention is generally that like okay you are going to keep this thing separate so you are going to be like keep it professional and make sure that like uh it like your mental state doesn't impact and many times it's actually beneficial to come out of the uh that bias so as long as people take it positively in terms of like their own biases like to talk to people not not to talk to people or to be like okay the other way also can happen by the way right like oh okay, you are too friendly with the team uh because of that like you might be okay with uh, like you are very friendly that like what you think is right but that will but just because you want to be friends like you are going with some substandard solution like so, something that you don't agree uh right like that can also happen like if you are like too extrovert and you want to just go with the team's flow so i would say like irrespective of it uh i have not seen personally i have not seen being an introvert or extrovert has said a significant impact uh, on the overall career growth but but if if that being introvert or extro, extrovert has impact on your ability to be impactful to the business if you let it that level it will have it will have some impact uh because you might take some substandard decisions at times and you will you might you are not in your best like you are not given your 100% best to your professional outcome uh so that will naturally have some impact got it um yeah so uh, just, are... just to be just to be explicit uh, just to be explicit yeah. i don't think that like being with a team joining there all the parties should be uh, need for your professional growth i don't recommend personally i think it's up to people and as long as like okay it doesn't matter whether you joined the party that previous night or joined all the nights before this is not like as long as you can be comfortable with the team to discuss and solve issues right so as long as you have that connect with the team beyond that it doesn't matter but if you don't have the connect then you utilizing these events whether it's a proper party or just a you know a zoom call where everybody is coming and uh, playing some games or having chit chats um if you it can helps. use that to yeah to build the connects it helps um got yeah, it. it helps and, and sometimes people i've also seen some colleagues have their like their own way like people are really good with some people are not good with like some like a large team setting like they are they don't they don't like certain things but like they they could be right they build bonding with like close colleagues through personal thing like sometimes people just like you know make phone calls and talk and like just go for uh a movie together Uh, there are always to build the bonding there are always to feel comfortable in a team and whatever works for you works for you and got it so as ingredients of growth we have talked about two major things till now uh, first is the business and the impact centricity and second is the uh, skill of communication where you able to articulate your technical ideas clearly and how to improve them the third question uh, which i have for you is uh uh balancing between good design and impactful design 
versus not accumulating tech debt. So one thing is to, uh, you know, uh, like have your knob completely dialed towards uh, clean designs and very, very elegant solutions. And supposedly you will not have any tech debt, although that is debatable. Um, another way is to completely focus on the impact, business impact, and just do impact-driven software. Both are wrong. Like both extremes are clearly wrong because if you are purely impact-driven, you are going to have this um, nightmare of a, a software piece to maintain uh, because you have accumulated too much tech debt in terms of uh, in the name of you know going fast or uh, etc. How does one balance between good tech versus good uh, business solutions. Yeah, I think this debate that uh, that will be debated in every team, and there will be no answer to that. Uh, I, I this is how I thought all the time. See, debt like in a business, debt is unavoidable, right? You you just cannot avoid. Like you just need to take debt so that like you can sell your product today and like make some profit, pay back the debt. And then, like, you know, make, make like make a larger debt, and then like do something more. So mm -hmm. debt is as a standard term is it's it's part of the business, and we all build business. So the software is nothing but like what what makes the business run. So it's unavoidable. It 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 is it is it is reasonable to have debt. There's nothing wrong about it. It's part of the business. Uh, and second thing is that like how I think most people. There is there is no discussion in terms of like, I think it, the conversation becomes more in terms of like puritan like software craftsmanship discussion that oh no tech debt is a great great thing. I think we need to talk debt from a business perspective. So for a business, uh, how do you quantify debt is going to have a significant impact of like how much debt in what areas you can have. So now how do you quantify debt? Like that's uh, that I think that's what people should talk about. And there are ways to think about it. Uh, one way to think about it is that okay, I'm I'm let's take like not having test coverage as the debt. Like because basically what it means is that what is why we call it debt there because it actually makes any change to that costlier. Right? It's it's basically like you just go make a change. You are more prone to fail. Like you are more prone to break the existing things, which means you will be super cautious not to break. Which means that like you will feel constrained to constrain. That means that you will move slow. Consider that you rob a test suit with that. You'll be able to just irritate around the test suit. Oh, that's failing. Just go. But if if it is nothing is there and can break, what could what will you do? Right. So so that's that's. I mean. So let's take that. Right now, if you take that. Consider that a user, a product is not that particular feature is not being used at all for long. Uh, and then a couple of users are using it, and there's going to be less change. The cost of the debt is like very less, versus the critical piece. Yeah, yeah, repay. Yeah, like you know, I'll just say that like you know, customers payment page, like <laughs> people drop off there versus like uh, your FAQ page. Like you know, one of the FAQ is misaligned, uh, and or it is like adding one more FAQ is like a long process. It's okay. So we, I think, uh, uh, I think people, if we could actually quantify debt to a large extent, we not we may not be able to quantify in dollar terms all the time, but we might be able to quantify in terms of large, uh, you know, t-shirt size thing. Like, you know, okay, it's a larger debt that area is having. Okay, so everybody has the tech debt wall. People have some cards and some stories or like something that identified as debt. Yeah. Try to quantify it, right? Okay, yeah, like for example, not upgrading to say your Python version has a large debt. Like, you know, some one more security uh, issue patch you've not applied, it can have less. So, there's some amount of judgment involved as while you know, assigning the size to the debt. But as long as it, overall you agree towards a common framework of assigning the debt, you will be able to prioritize and pay off as, as the thing happens. Uh, so, so I would say. About, so, you're talking about yeah, not quantifying debt? But more importantly, quantifying the interest that you'll have to pay. If it's an interest-free debt, um, because it's a feature that is not being developed or uh, you know, a code that is not seeing any changes or uh, a feature that sees very less number of users, it's okay. You're not paying any interest on that debt. Some debts are like insurance. There's, there's, there's like, like, for example, if you don't have insurance, uh, 
somebody may think it's a huge risk somebody may think okay one next month if i take it off it's okay because like you know i may not die so so it's 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 a, it's it's, a, it's it, there's some amount of judgment is involved uh so for example like you no know, not upgrading your python version right um okay if you are in if you are in the oldest version like you no know, python 2 like where nobody is supporting and it's very hard to make any changes the depth size is really high but you are just like couple of patch versions behind your depth size is less uh, so you can only measure this relatively like you cannot uh, like put this thing like in absolute dollar numbers most of the times uh, but with, with between like if you have a tech debt bunch of cards like identified i most times you will be able to say what's the topmost one what's top five based on the impact and and make decisions and some of the things are judgmental like you will see that oh okay fine uh the new framework or like new thing will solve this problem anyway so i'm okay to live with it for next 6 months um so it's Because very it subjective just get paid through other means and it'll just disappear anyway yeah sandil but there are yeah. other ways to quantify right yes we might not be able to quantify the debt in dollar terms but can you what are some of the other units uh what i have in uh, my mind is uh, for example the time wasted of the team to service the debt uh so are you paying in terms of your bandwidth um are you paying in terms of reduced user experience and user inconvenience whoever your users are either end users or developers if you are a platform team um uh, or their business so, uh- yeah so what are some of right. these things that uh, you can measure the interest payments in i think uh, um so how often that area okay so uh, you can actually measure this you can also like kind of like have some overall guidance value in terms of oh this area is like more or less stable nobody touched it in like last 6 months and that has doesn't have tested but it's fine like and it's never going to be tested for next 6 months also you probably tend to value it less but there is a active area in which like <clears throat> it's changing like so frequently and every time somebody touches like it's going to take they're going to take more time because they have a fear of not breaking it uh and the second kind of like corollary to that is that like what's the cost of break for example uh consider you are you are running uh you are you are running a say again like some say ticket booking platform somebody is not able to when they add snacks and then it is not able to they, they click on the increment button it doesn't work for some reason versus like the payment page is broken now this will have like entirely different business use case like reduced user experience reduced revenue itself right like sometimes so you need to value in terms of like okay whether this page is going to have we is like a critical flow for the business how often the page is going through change like how how many uh, which means that like how often people need to waste their time to be careful and feel constrained to make change uh those will be like kind of ways to gauge like how overall compare the uh, compare the tenders yeah it's a probability like it's a probability yeah. thing, right i mean uh, let's say yeah. old language version just to go back to that example you might have a security breach um because there is a zero day vulnerability that gets discovered in the future and uh, you know you get exploited and the cost is very very high but the probability is low the question is that if that low probability occurs and uh, in that event what is the like business cost that you are going to pay is your business going to collapse completely because you lose your brand value and you know you lose your face in the market probably not worth living for uh living with like you should patch yeah. it but uh, any inconvenience which is wasting uh, let's say your team's time you are spending let's say 10 man days uh, more every month because of this tech debt um uh, either you uh, like so okay you're spending 10 man days like every month but fixing it is going to require 50 man days yeah. you invest it right now because there is an opportunity cost as well um so you're saying just taking a holistic view of uh, these things it might not be easy to quantify all the time but people should strive to build mental models just trying this yeah. back to their growth journey that you should have mental models about what is good to do 
versus not good to do it doesn't matter if you are on an em track or not if, if, even if you are a engineer you will become a staff engineer one day and being able to take these calls and have a quality conversation with a leader goes a long way in uh, your growth journey yeah yeah and and this is our, to some extent judgment also plays a role and that's why i am i am trying to be like uh, cautious about like as if like there is a golden solution is i'll i'll give you for example like let's take this patch version or like some security course like every code base might have some one or two other things like no sometimes like uh yeah. like something is there some architecture really something's are there now nobody prioritized it because people thought the probability is less right probably is definitely less people thought like the impact is oh, somewhat critical but i like, won't bring down the company also that's fine but suddenly one day <laughs> one exploit happened and it kind of put the team on embarrassment it still didn't doesn't bring down the business and now suddenly everybody was okay we will fix all the things together because the second embarrassment suddenly became like extremely costly uh right like okay you have consider somebody leaked like they like somewhere passwords are checked like it's a very poor example but like to make it like extremely simple so that we can understand it yeah somewhere consider that like password like you no know, people are using shared credentials or like passwords are checked in or like something like that uh consider that like one incident happened okay and suddenly the entire team will feel focused and sometimes the entire company feel focused to just like go fix all the things clean up the entire thing uh, like remove all the check password rotate all the passwords all those things become possible which which matter you matter to prioritize if the incident didn't happen you get what i'm saying so the it's we are like the 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 prioritization might change the okay cost of first incident is low yeah. or like medium the second instance like super critical so you want to completely make it zero so it is not like a standard oh that is gone like uh, no it, it's not like a standard thing that exists like and also people become emotional towards certain things and fix it so it's it's all judgment call eventually right uh, so basically there are some mistakes that are worth avoiding completely for example like tasting poison there is no going back uh you can't do that so uh, there are some things which are absolute um, you know no compromise uh, sort of things and you should understand those to grow as an engineer uh, because if you commit those mistakes it's going to be quite costly uh, for your career and those are like frankly they are easy to learn easy to uh, you know because there is no judgment involved it's wrong like right uh, and everybody agrees that it's wrong but beyond that there are things which are opinionated and there are apples and oranges uh, you know somebody can like something and uh, yeah. it's good to understand the flavors uh, yeah i mean as 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 just like cutting <laughs> from your example most times we don't know whether it is poison or like poison like will it just make me like faint for like 5 minutes <laughs> so people don't know <laughs> like all red bot red and blue bottles exist <laughs> some somebody drank something somebody said, oh man all the things are poison let's just go attack it right now let's kill them all of it was just like oh you thought it you only faint but something bad happens so you might prioritize accordingly um, so it's all some amount of judgment is always there just to extend that uh, analogy further uh, to the risk of uh, you know beating it to the death you can also have slow poisons which are much harder to identify and that's where um, you know the most successful people in the software craft uh they are successful because they are good at identifying slow poison on uh, design decisions architectural decisions team organization decisions that might seem correct or close to correct today but they are going to be a disaster after 2 years and you'll only discover it uh, 18 months into that decision that oh this was a wrong decision but now there is no going back or the cost of actually mending that decision is very very costly uh, very very high um and the more you can understand the deeper layers of you know what are the uh, dynamics and the interplay between um uh, the architecture and the team structure and the communication and um finding that sweet spot between the business impact and building a system and maintaining it i think that is going to take you a much longer way than just knowing uh, how to build cl- like clean software um right i think it also happened because like somebody joined a new team 
and you, they are they have they are like some other way to see the problem and then they say oh this is like okay you guys are living with this it's stupid like you should change it uh, many times it it happens because like because the new people have new perspectives and slow poison people are something we all get used to it and the other person oh guys stop this uh, that happens awesome so now to conclude the conversation um what are the three top suggestions that you would give to listeners uh, to help in their growth journey always uh, okay i think uh, like kind of even summarize the overall aspects of it uh, so yeah. two three aspects one is that like your growth is essentially the abstraction in which you handle uh, you handle the problem like are you just handling by first you start with story and then like feature and then like you know and then a project and then like go on it just keeps going up like so just keep keep trying keep trying to expand your uh, the horizon the abstraction layer so that like the growth will naturally happen most times you are already handling it that's why you are given that the role right like you are moving from senior to staff engineer because like you are not able you are able to think beyond feature you are able to think little more that's why you are like you are already think so your growth will happen generally because you are already progress in the direction the formal recognition follows later so keep looking for expanding your thing second uh, the second aspect is that like the skills that that you brought for one layer of solutioning or like one layer of abstraction are not going to be the same skills for the next level of abstraction if you are a story, if you are building at a story level then like your how you manage yourself like how fast you write code and those kind of skills but if you are going little above that like how you organize your epic into stories how you going to organize sequencing them like you know all those things becomes like a skill and that's not the exact skill that you practice in the previous level of abstraction so you need to build that so uh so so be be aware that like you need to keep learning new skills uh and one of the new skill that you talk about is that like articulation of issues an articulation of like your ideas in a much crisp way much like convincing way everybody can understand um third is uh third is sort of like it's sort of like uh not specific uh your growth is also subject to the surroundings you cannot isolatedly grow like you, you are not like you are not immune to your environment uh yeah company which is growing a company has great engineers they have team that is like growing really fast or a startup that is growing fast like if you are being that like you tend to experience far more uh new problems larger problems so that's going to be more vacuum for you to go and fill and expand yourself whereas in a place that is not there you cannot expand because there is no vacuum like you are already right so those are like if you limited to 3 i will say 3 here awesome i'll take out one that uh, really popped out to me personally that you are a human and you are not a robot so you cannot discount your emotional side don't try doing that or you know it will be a different sort of a disaster uh, all you have to do is understand your emotions and work with them and make them your advantage um because getting rid of them is definitely not advantages you are leaving a very very positive side behind um with that i think right. this was one hell of a conversation on growth and thank you for expanding on to growth uh, sendil it was pleasure having you here thank you bavin it was it was it was lovely having conversation on this thank you mm-hmm.